I won't pretend it was the grandest banquet in the world, but it was certainly the grandest banquet I had ever been to. I'd been involved with some charity work at school and through that was asked to represent our charity committee at a fancy meal. There were dignitaries from business and civic life there. I knew it was an upmarket affair because I'd had to hire a dinner suit to attend. And it took me a while to figure out what part of the body a cummerbund is meant to go on. The table was laden with the thickest tablecloths and napkins that I'd ever seen. I'd been told in advance that you have to use your cutlery from the outside in, but I wasn't prepared for just how far I'd have to stretch to reach the littlest fork and knife. All told, I felt thoroughly out of place. I didn't know the right things to do. I didn't know the right things to say. It seemed obvious to me that everybody else there would know that I simply did not belong. However, I had two things that gave me confidence that I was in the right place and that I was welcome. The first I kept tight in my breast pocket. It was my invitation. My company had been requested for the evening, and embossed and decorated, I had the cards to prove it. The second took me by surprise as I got to the top of the staircase before going into the banqueting hall. There was a man dressed in a silly outfit who took my name and then turned just away from my earline and bellowed my name to announce my arrival. I had the invitation and my name was on the guest list and it meant that I was welcome to be there. More so, I was wanted there. I did belong, even though I didn't know what on earth to do with all the cutlery or my cummerbund. That is the spirit and the message of our Bible passage today. Actually, it's the spirit and the message of the Christian faith The Christian faith is sometimes misunderstood and maligned. Some people think it exists to create barriers between people, that the self-righteous can make themselves holier than thou in order to look down on everybody else. And sadly for many, that means that the church seems to have a keep out sign on the door. They think they're not welcome. But the gospel of grace in the Lord Jesus is the precise opposite of that. The work of God in the world is not about keeping people out, but rather welcoming people in. It's not about making people self-righteous, but rather calling them to trust in a righteousness that could never be theirs on their own strength. Our question today, how can I be truly accepted The answer is to come to the place where the invitation is genuinely open, where any name can be on the guest list. It is to come to the only place where real outsiders can become true insiders, fully and finally and forever. The context here is the temple in Jerusalem. I've had the privilege of visiting what's left of it recently. It's an imposing location on the top of a big outcrop of rock overlooking the city. And for generations, it stood as a testament to two things. Firstly, to the presence of God 
and secondly, to the holiness of God. It symbolized the presence of God because here in this location, the presence of God was seen to dwell. It meant that God was among his people. So it was a focus of corporate worship where pilgrims would come and where sacrifices would be made. It also symbolized the holiness of God. Because although people were drawn there to worship, there were limits to their access. The God of the Bible is a holy God, one set apart. He's radiant in his goodness, pure in his perfection, and therefore sin and those guilty of it could not come to the place where the presence of God dwelt. And if you like, there were concentric circles of boundaries to access. The Holy of Holies, right at the centre of things, could only be accessed once a year by one man, the High Priest. And there was another court, an area where some Israelites were allowed. And then further out on the periphery, there was an area where the everyone else people could go. These were the spiritual outsiders. Foreigners, for instance, were kept at arm's length. If you weren't born to the right people, you couldn't come in. And eunuchs also were kept out. Whether for for medical reasons or because of a deliberate action, eunuchs were seen as profane rather than holy, and the doors were shut to them. In this context, then, perhaps the single biggest question that defines the storyline of the Bible is this from Psalm 24. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The psalmist asks it because if we are meant to come to God to meet with him, but if we are kept out because of our imperfections, who may come? Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can be accepted? The psalmist answers in the next verse, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So faith in the living God and godliness in living for him, which gives the question a spin. How then can it be so? If I am impure, and distant from him. How can I be pure and come to him? How can I ascend the mountain of the Lord? How can I be truly accepted? That is the question that was asked by a certain man in Acts chapter 8. The Spirit of God had sent the Apostle Peter to a particular road, and he met a man from the court of the Queen of the Ethiopians. And as would have been common with servants in the queen's household, he was a eunuch. A trusted position, perhaps powerful and wealthy, but having gone to Jerusalem to worship, as we're told, he would have found himself unable to access the temple itself, shut off from God. He happens to be reading a scroll from the book of Isaiah from just before this little section in Isaiah chapter 53. So Peter hops into the guy's chariot and conducts a little Bible study with him. Uh, This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Here is someone who was made an outcast. Here is someone who had no dynasty, no children in an earthly sense. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. How can I come to God? The Ethiopian eunuch found God has come to us. One can only wonder what riches the Apostle Peter and this eunuch discussed as they read these passages together. They would have spoken from chapter 53 of the self-sacrifice of Jesus as he put himself in the place of sinners as he went to his death on the cross. They would have spoken from chapter 54 of the restoration of the Lord's people through Jesus as those once cast out on account of their sin are reconciled and redeemed and their sin paid for. They will have spoken, as we did last week from chapter 55, of the feast and party thrown by God to celebrate those who return to him in repentance and faith. Such people find life in all its fullness in him. And I feel sure that they will have spoken from chapter 56 of the welcome of God in Jesus to the spiritual outsider. The foreigner and the eunuch are singled out as examples of those who are drawn near. And this man in his chariot, having left Jerusalem without Jesus, met him through his apostle in these words of Isaiah, which must have felt in that moment as if they were written just for him. Isaiah 56 from verse 3, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people and let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. If you have ever doubted whether you could be accepted by God, consider these words and find comfort in them. Here is the radical message of the grace of God that is available to anyone and everyone. Jesus came to knock down the barrier between us and God. He came to blow open the way into his house 
for all those who would believe. Ethnicity isn't a barrier in Jesus. Gender isn't a barrier in Jesus. Social status or class isn't a barrier in Jesus. The way is open, as the liturgy has it, for all those who with heartfelt and true repentance turn to him. Hear the concerns of the people in verse 3. The foreigner says, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Not so, says the Lord. His house is a house of prayer for all nations, all people. The eunuch says, I am only a dry tree, literally a dry stump, if you can bear with the connotations that that brings. Not so, says the Lord. Unable to have children, perhaps, but honoured beyond any family dynasty through the generations. They will have a name better than sons and daughters. An everlasting name that will endure forever. It's a salutary word for us. Tempted as we are to trust in our own righteousness, here is a reminder that access to God is God-given and is open to all. Tempted as we are to build a name for ourselves or to think less of ourselves if we haven't, here is a reminder that honour before God is God-given and is bestowed on the faithful. One can only wonder what these truths meant for the Ethiopian eunuch who read these words from Isaiah with the Apostle Peter. But we know that he heard of the grace of God in the person of Jesus, and he trusted in him for acceptance before God. He was baptized there and then by the side of the road, a baptism for the repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, a baptism of cleansing from the past and of promise for the future, a baptism of death to his old self and of new life in Jesus by his spirit a baptism of welcome into the family of faith in Jesus. So it is left to us to ask for ourselves what these truths might mean. Because if that man could come to know acceptance by God, it means each of us can do the same. That is what God is in the business of doing. He says in verse 8, The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them, besides those already gathered. This gospel of grace is going out. It is reaching all sorts of people in all sorts of places from all sorts of backgrounds. It reached the Ethiopian eunuch. It's reached me, and it can reach you too. Let me pray. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gate of glory. Keep us firm in the hope that you've set before us so we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name through Christ our Lord. 
Amen.